Most of our seven days of Christmas and crime have happened on Christmas or on the surrounding days. But today's case is a little bit different. It happened during the Christmas season. But instead of a day that somebody was murdered on, it's the fact that her body was covered in Christmas presents that makes it a holiday horror. Welcome to episode six of Christmas and Crime. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to talk to everybody again. This is day six of Christmas and Crime. We have been talking every single day for six days, and it has been amazing. Now, if you didn't hear at the beginning, today's episode's a tiny bit different than the rest of them. Most of our episodes happen, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas, the day after Christmas, Whereas this one actually happened earlier in December, the reason that it is a Christmas and crime is because the woman that was murdered was buried under a big pile of Christmas presents in an attempt to hide her body. To me, that feels very Christmassy, and uh, I figured that even though it was on a different day, it still fit in our seven days of Christmas and crime. Today's episode might be a little bit shorter than, you know, our usual episode, but some of that is because tomorrow's episode, you guys, is almost an hour long. Merry Christmas. Our Christmas special is a pretty well-known case, um, at least here in the United States, and it is an hour long, and we'll just be able to hang out on Christmas for an hour and talk about a murder. Anyways, there's no updates in my life. Um, That's what happens when we talk for six days straight, nothing new. I wrapped all of my Christmas presents last night and hid them because my children are that age where Christmas magic is a thing. And I was up till 11.30 last night. I had all my buying done early, but not all of my wrapping. So when I'm done recording, we're gonna go in and make cookies for Santa and then go about our Christmas Eve plans. But yeah, so hopefully after you listen to today's episode, you can also finish your Christmas Eve plans and get ready for Christmas tomorrow. Anyways, let's go ahead and jump right into today's episode. Today's episode is about Michelle O'Dowd, I think is how you say her name. Now, Michelle was born on February 20th, 1944, and was 67 at the time of the incident. She was currently living in Jacksonville, Florida, alone, and her favorite holiday was coming up. Michelle loved all things Christmas. She loved the decorations, the gift buying, just literally everything, and she was eagerly waiting for that day to come. Her home was not only decorated with a ton of Christmas decorations, but she had a beautiful decorated tree that was full of presents. Michelle, being 67, had quite a few people to buy for. She had, you know, children, nieces, nephews, grandkids. She had just a list. And she was okay with it. She loved buying for everybody. 
Because of this, the presents under the tree were addressed to kids of all ages, most of them her family, and she couldn't wait for the day that they could just hand them all out. Now, before I go too far into the story, I also wanted to talk about our second person in the story, Patty White. Patty was younger than Michelle and was only 40 years old, and she was from South Carolina. Patty was actually an ex of one of Michelle's nephews. Because she was in a relationship with this nephew for a while, everybody in the family knew Patty, and everybody really liked Patty. She seemed very, very sweet and caring, and even when their relationship would go on to end, the connections Patty had to the family wouldn't, and she would still talk to the family, visit the family, they would still invite her over, they would even ask her to watch the children of the family when they needed a babysitter at times. Patty was part of the family, and it seems as though the ex was okay with this, the nephew, because otherwise I feel like the family would have cut ties with Patty, but they all liked her, and the ex seems like they were okay with it. Now, Patty had hit some rough patches. Um, she didn't have a lot of work. Because of this, Patty struggled to pay for things, and since the family loved her so much, they did everything they could to help Patty. They would offer her side jobs here and there when they had it. They would ask her to babysit and pay her for the babysitting when they needed it. Just anything that they could do to help make her some money without really giving her any handouts. At one point, Michelle even offered her home to Patty. Patty did not have to pay rent while living with Michelle, and Michelle even trusted her enough to hand her her debit card on multiple occasions with the PIN number so that she could go out and buy food for the home and help pay for things in general. As you can see, everybody loved Patty and got along with Patty very, very well. If you guys have never had a roommate situation though, you can be best friends with somebody and a relationship can go south as soon as you live together. I mean, even think about significant others. When you move in with somebody, especially when you've been living on your own for so long, it's very difficult to adjust to living with somebody else. You've got to share everything with that person. Um, of course, you guys are going to have fights and you know what I mean. And because of this, the relationship that Michelle and Patty had sort of started to go south as Patty lived there. Patty, in almost what seemed like a respectable way, would leave, basically as soon as things would begin to turn sour. She almost seemed like she wanted to leave the home before anything got worse, and when leaving, she was able to find some family in South Carolina that would take her in and allow her to live with them and she would take them up on this offer. She moved out of Michelle's home and moved back home in South Carolina. But it didn't really seem like the move helped Patty all that much. Maybe it would have helped Michelle and the rest of the family, but Patty was still upset about things that had happened while she was living with Michelle. And living in South Carolina was nice, but Patty's mind kept racing over some of those things that happened while she was living there, the fights, and just a lot of things. And now let's go back to that timeline. It's Christmas, it's coming up, Michelle has a mountain of gifts and a mountain of excitement, and 
the opportunity to hand those gifts out would be taken from her before she ever got to see her favorite holiday again. One day, Patty decided to drop by and pay Michelle a visit. This visit was not to visit Michelle for the holidays or anything like that. Patty drove all the way from South Carolina, where she was currently living, back to Florida just to visit Michelle. Now, to put this into some perspective for you guys, this could have very possibly been a seven-hour drive. If you were to look up the drive time from South Carolina to Florida, it is about seven hours and 41 minutes. It is possible, depending on where Patty was located and Michelle was located, that it could be a shorter trip or even a longer trip. Regardless of that, that was a very, very long drive for Patty to make just to stop by and visit Michelle. And her visit wasn't just drop in and see an old friend. Patty was here to rob Michelle. The day before anybody would find Michelle's body, she had been talking on the phone to another family member. She had brought up to this family member that she had a family friend visiting her, which was a little weird because Michelle lived alone. Like I said, nobody knew that this friend was coming over and it was just strange. This fact alone would actually help the police be able to narrow down their suspect list because somebody had talked to the victim and the victim had said it was a family friend. And of course, there are only a few family friends. We don't have a definite answer as to what happened next, but the authorities believe that it was a robbery gone wrong. They do not think that Patty drove all the way down with the intent on hurting Michelle or killing Michelle that day, but something happened in that home that led to Patty murdering Michelle. After Patty had murdered Michelle, she finished what she was there to do. She ransacked the entire home, found the debit card that she had used before and knew the pin to, and the police then believed that she planted a bottle of vodka as a decoy in an attempt to buy herself more time. At this point, when Patty realized that Michelle was indeed dead and not getting back up, she decided she needed to hide her body. But Patty didn't plan on murdering Michelle. So the only place that she thought and could see to put Michelle was that mound of Christmas gifts that were bought with love. She would drag Michelle's body over and pull these gifts out, burying them on top of Michelle. Patty would not only just bury Michelle under all of the joy and happiness and gifts that were meant to go to others, but if you think about it, she would also take those gifts from others because as soon as they touched the body of Michelle, they became evidence and none of the children and the family who had gifts under that tree were ever going to get the gifts. When Patty was satisfied with what she had ransacked and the debit card and where she had hidden Michelle, she just left. She just left the home 
with Michelle under the presence and the house ransacked. Now that she had Michelle's debit card, she knew that she only had a limited amount of time before somebody either found Michelle or, you know, the bank saw something funny and canceled the card. So her first destination after she left the home was to stop at a bank. At this bank, she was only allowed to withdraw up to $500 and she would do that, withdrawing the full $500. Then she would drive herself to a second bank and withdraw another $500. I'm glad, especially in this instance, that they had a max amount to withdraw, but also I don't know if it annoys everybody else that there's a max amount you can withdraw from an ATM. I had to withdraw $1,000 at one point, and it kind of annoyed me that it would only allow me to withdraw $800. Um, and then when you think about like people's rents and stuff, like how are they going to withdraw their full rent payment if you don't let them. Anyways, that's just a little a little pet peeve of mine, but I'm glad that she was only able to get 500 at a time because it made tracking Patty much easier. They did notice on security footage later down the road when they were tracking Patty that she did attempt to hide her face from the cameras, but it was really no use because now the authorities knew that Michelle was talking to that family about a family friend visiting and when they asked the family later, they easily identified Patty because she was a family friend and everybody knew who Patty was in the family. Now, I sort of jumped up a little bit there into the investigation. Um, but at this point in time, when Patty was withdrawing that money, Michelle still hadn't been discovered. Michelle would be found because she would fail to show up to work. Michelle worked at her twin brother's business and was scheduled to show up that day, which she never did. Immediately, especially because it was her twin brother, this would raise red flags. He would actually duck out of work that day and stop by her home in an attempt to see if she had slept in or forgotten that she was on the schedule. He would arrive at Michelle's home at about 9, 10 a.m. And as soon as he got there, he realized that Michelle's door was open. When he pushed the door in, he noticed that her entire home was ransacked and Michelle was nowhere to be found. Panic began to overtake him because he was probably expecting to find a sleeping Michelle or one that just forgot not a ransacked home and her missing. He would look around the home for her, hoping, and probably not at the same time, that he would find her. He noted that tables and chairs were turned over. The entire place was an absolute mess. But what was interesting was Michelle's dog was in the home still and uninjured. So was her vehicle, leading her brother to think that she had to have been in that home and he was overlooking her. He continued to look and look and look. It took him three times of walking around this home over and over and over before he finally looked at the pile of presents and noticed that there was a leg sticking out of it. At this point, he probably was sure that he was going to find Michelle dead or injured. He probably was very conflicted and didn't want to find her like that, but also wanted to because that would answer where she was at 
and that she hadn't been kidnapped or something worse. And as he stared at the leg underneath the Christmas presents, his stomach hit the floor. Instead of calling the police, he ran over, hoping that maybe, if this was Michelle, that she was still okay. He grabbed the leg to pull it out, touching it, and he realized that her leg was ice cold. He would uncover Michelle from the presence. Her face was covered in blood with a towel draped over the top of it, and she was ice cold. From this point forwards, he would call the authorities and let them know what he had found. They would come in and immediately close off the scene. All of those presents that Michelle spent hours searching, buying, wrapping, would now be considered evidence. They would take photos of the scene and know what had happened, and then they would send Michelle off for an autopsy. They confirmed that the day that she was attacked was the day that she died. And whoever was responsible had done so by strangling Michelle, and she had blunt force trauma to the head. They began their investigation, and it was very quick and easy. Michelle was dead, and the day before the attack, she had said how a family friend was visiting. They looked at the family friends and then also realized that Michelle's debit card was being used, at least to pull money out. When they would pull these records up, they would see a woman attempting to cover her face, removing money from Michelle's account. They would get a list of all of the family friends, and Patty was on there. From that point forwards, it was very, very easy. They were able to confirm that Patty had the debit card, and that Patty was the one responsible for the death of Michelle. Now they just needed to find her. This also would not take long. Patty had driven back to South Carolina after the attack and murder of Michelle, and she was actually in a vehicle with her mother when she would be caught. For some reason, the mother was driving somewhere and she violated traffic in some way or another, whether that be by speeding or a taillight being out or something. And the cops would pull this vehicle over while Patty's mother was pulled over on the side of the road they would notice that it was Patty, and that Patty was wanted for the murder of Michelle. And I am unsure as to why she also confessed. But Patty would tell the officer that had them pulled over that she had murdered a family friend back in Florida, and she was responsible. They, of course, would arrest Patty and confirm that Patty was the one they believed to be responsible and now they had a confession from Patty. They also seized the vehicle that Patty's mother was driving that day, and they would head to her home and look through her home as well, taking clothing and any other possible evidence that could link her back to Michelle. Also, side note, one of my chickens is laying an egg. So if you can hear that, I am very sorry. After this vehicle was searched and they concluded that it was ready to be returned, they would return it back to Patty's mother. 
Patty had told the authorities at this point that she was living in New York and had driven back to visit Michelle with an attempt to only rob her. It also came out at this point that some neighbors that day had heard Michelle screaming as Patty attacked and murdered her. And just like we see in far too many cases, they failed to call 911 and failed to potentially save Michelle's life. Patty was charged and sentenced to 41 years in prison for second-degree murder in December of 2011. Michelle never even got the chance to hand out all of her Christmas presents to her nieces, nephews, grandkids, kids. Instead, she was buried under them in a weak attempt to bury and hide her body. I'm very glad that the person that was responsible, Patty, was caught and charged so quickly. Because at least Michelle got justice, even if she did not get to celebrate her favorite holiday. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.